Good evening, beautiful people. Welcome to my channel. We are in Rahu Ketu study part 26. We got one more to go and then we'll do conclusion studies. <clears throat> you got to wrap it up with some conclusion studies. Yeah, otherwise it won't make any sense. It's too complicated and it's too much studies. So now we are in the third nakshatra of Kritika nakshatra. The Pleiades. The origin of creation, so to speak. Now, I got to tell a little bit of mythology, although try to avoid mythology, because this is an unusual nakshatra. The Lord ruling is Agni, fire, just pure fire, the fire of creation, where everything started. You might even call it the Big Bang or whatever, right? So, what does Kritika nakshatra have a mythological background? Well, it's the birth of the son of the unionship of Shiva and Shakti, the first official son, so to speak. Ganpati, the first one, sitting right there watching me, is the is one born created mainly by Shakti, but this is born of unionship of Shiva and Shakti, and it was so fiery in nature, the seed born out of the unionship of Shiva and Shakti, that it became troublesome to hold that seed anywhere in creation, right? And it was an unusual form of parentage. He was parented by stepmothers. He was of a fiery warrior kind of nature because the whole purpose of giving birth to this child was to destroy a particular demon. This is the mythology. And therefore, this kind of a theme plays out in Kritika Nakshatra. Let's just quickly review what Kritika Nakshatra was. It's fiery transformation, critical thinking, criticism. They are very critical in nature because they can perceive the energy right away. That's the reason why they become critical. They can become good learners. They can have good training skills because they know the passion of teaching and learning warriorship, so to speak. Sharp speech, mannerism, they are perfectionists. It's important for them to set goals. They have something to do with cooking and baking because it has to do with fire, right? Wherever fire energy is there in restaurants, wherever you're cooking, there's fire. So they can become chefs, bakers. They can have a theme of having foster parents and especially with Rahu in this and if it's sitting in the fourth house, this can become more dominant, right? Or if you have Kritika Nakshatra sitting in the fifth house, it can have unusual births. The symbol is of a knife. It can even have a caesarean section kind of birth. <clears throat> they have good leadership skills, wavering fortunes. They have a tendency of hiding emotions. They have unusual births, like I said. Life lesson is to use their internal fuel to target and internal fire to transform life. So Kritika Nakshatra, and the first pada is the conclusion of Aries and the last three padas is in Taurus. So most part of this is in Taurus, which has a little bit of grounding. The first part is Aries going to Sagittarius, which can become seriously fiery. So it's important for Kritika Nakshatra, first of all, why I told about the mythology is to understand that these people seriously need some grounding. They seriously either need a mental energy which can give them a sense of logic and reasoning because let's face it, pure fire, pure passion, pure uh, passion energy can just translate to a wild sense of anger all the time about everything like a rebel without a cause. 
which doesn't help in reality, right? You need some grounding. So grounding for fire can be either air, which they will use reasoning, they will use logic, they can become critical thinkers, they can become thought-provoking talkers, powerful talkers also. Or <clears throat> they should have a grounding in the form of some earth energy to it. So that they can become chefs, restaurant owners, bakers, some passion translated to food and practical energy. Okay. Now you stick your head Rahu in between here. This becomes a kind of even more amplification. Rahu is an amplifier, amplification of this kind of a fire, which makes it really difficult for a person to handle unless the person is doing some kind of a yogic breathing, some kind of heavy duty yoga. You see what I'm saying? Pranic breathing, right? Kriya yoga and that kind of a thing. You need to control the Rahu energy in this kind of a nakshatra with breath. The good news is there is Ketu on the other side. So let's look at it otherwise and see if we can get some grounding for these poor people, right? So number one, the classical characteristics of Rahu and Ketu as described by the classical Vedic literature. Okay, What is Rahu and Ketu? These are the north and the south nodes of the moon found by the virtual points which are the intersection points between orbit of the moon around the earth and orbit of the earth around the sun. So basically if you take two eclipses, ellipses, it will form two intersection points. Yeah. So these two intersection points are called the north node and the south node. They are virtual nodes although they behave like planets and we shall see why in a minute. So who is Rahu? The symbols are there like a horseshoe and the reverse horseshoe. right? This is typically how it is portrayed in Western astrology. So I'm using the same symbol here. Rahu is mythologically depicted as the severe head of a demon, symbolizing constant, endless, insatiable hunger and appetite, be it sensual or physical. Yet it is unable to hold on to or grasp it. Rahu is the one who constantly wants something. Think of it as a live head only, not the body. Okay. So it can't hold on to anything or be satisfied even if it gets that thing since it has no arms or body or stomach, right? just a head which is alive. This gives Rahu the title of Bhogakaraka or meaning one who is after sensory materialistic pursuits. So think any earth sign for example, they want sensory materialistic pursuits or think any of the signs literally whatever they are after, Rahu wants that and wants that very badly and goes after it with everything. This is an energy in us, by the way. It is not a planet. It's a virtual node, but it will behave like a planet, which we shall see why. So it is unable to satisfy that hunger or hold on to anything, even though it gets something. It wants to move on to the next and then to the next and then to the next. This is why Varahu is also called as the guy who wants foreign things not of the native land or not of what the person is natively born in. Why? Because of that insatiable hunger. There's always insatiable hunger to go after one thing after the another without being able to hold on to it. That's Rahu. Ketu, on the other hand, is mythologically depicted as the severe body, the remaining half of the demon, symbolizing constant and less insatiable search for identity. It is looking for the head, but it doesn't have a head. So it is looking for that identity. Everybody's identity, ego is centered in the head, what you look like, right? It is also seeking for true purpose, sense of self. 
as a result of this it tries to hold and grab on to everything that it can find its hands on because it has got hands ketu has got hands it's trying to hold on to everything but it releases immediately because it knows that's not the head it is like trying to grasp on to everything thinking oh i want this or i am this i am that i am this not getting any identity because it's not finding the head there since it has arms and walks everywhere it goes around through life walking from place to place people situation circumstances but not knowing who or what it is it doesn't have a head this is why ketu is referred to as mokshakaraka or the seeker's path the one energy in us which seeks something that's why ketu is called the mokshakaraka now this is the classical interpretation okay now we shall see how this plays out in the modern interpretation very important to connect the bridges now here you have the rahu ketu general characteristics as modern interpretation this i have borrowed from the book light on life by robert so was a excellent book i have put it in the community tab if you want to go through it or purchase it and read it i seriously suggest that okay the north node of the moon rahu what does it become because of the characteristics which classically is told in the texts what does rahu lead to in the modern context rahu is responsible for originality individuality independence insight ingenuity inspiration and imagination on the positive side because rahu and ketu both love to explore foreign stuff things out of the box things not taught by tradition rahu and ketu will be anything but traditional okay think of it as something foreign to the culture to the way you are taught things looking for original stuff if there is one singular force that is responsible for creating everything that we keep modernizing so to speak thinking out of the box it is this that's why it's important to pay attention to this okay back to this so rahu on the downside becomes leads to confusion escapism neurosis psychosis deception addiction vagueness illusion and delusion this is the downside now how this plays out and why we like to see individually in the charts we will still see that okay ketu ketu the guy with only the body no head there is gives us the feeling of universality impressionability idealism intuition compassion spirituality self sacrifice subtleness on the positive side on the downside it can lead to eccentricity fanaticism explosiveness violence unconventionality amorality iconoclasm impulsiveness and emotional tensions this is on the downside this is what it plays out and rahu ketu is typically an axis like we shown over there right rahu ketu let me remove myself for the time being from that axis okay there you are so you see it as an axis okay 180 degrees apart and it can play out in any one of the opposite houses it can play out in 17 28 39 4 10 etc etc we will see that later but this axis becomes a definition point of where in your life in your different houses are you looking for these two aspects and they are always opposite to each other as you can see okay to stand opposite to each other so if it plays out in second house it detaches itself from the eighth house if rahu is in second house it ketu will be in the eighth house you see what i mean and so you will bring the eighth house aspect with these aspects shown here second house with that aspect shown over there of course it plays out with something called as dispositors we shall see that next 
Now, if you go to a traditional Vedic astrology, they will go on and on endlessly about dispositors. What the hell is a dispositor? It's an invented term by the Vedic astrologers. It has no meaning of its own. It shows the disposition. And what's the story on this? Rahu and Ketu both are enemies of the sun and the moon. This is the basic principle. So it has the solar aspect and the lunar aspect. The solar aspect is called the dispositor and the lunar aspect is the nakshatra which gives the entire characteristics and the ball game of Rahu and Ketu. Okay? The solar or the dispositor means since Rahu and Ketu are enemies with the sun and do not have a full identity of their own. Remember it's a virtual node. It is not a planet. They both do not have any planetary characteristic individually. So they take on the identity or the disposition of the lord of the zodiac sign that they sit in and borrow the attributes of the house from which that lord sits in. Suppose Mercury is in the third house. okay, And Rahu sits in the house of Mercury somewhere else. So it will borrow the attributes of Mercury sitting in that third house and bring it to that particular house wherever Rahu is sitting in. Got it? Nakshatras. Since Rahu and Ketu are enemies with the moon and do not have a full identity of their own, individually, they take on the shade of personality. Nakshatra is essentially a shade of personality. It's coloring of a personality. It's seeing the world through different colored glasses. That they sit in and borrow the nakshatra traits and attributes which color their propensities. So Rahu and Ketu do two things at the same time. At the solar level, it goes with the dispositor, that is all of the planets, physical planets, Mercury, Mars, Venus, Sun, Moon, so on. So they take on the attributes of whichever house they are sitting. If it sits in Rahu sits in Cancer, it will you have to look for where Moon is sitting, which house, and what it is doing there, and even the Moon Nakshatra. If it is sitting in Leo, Rahu in Leo, that means you have to look for where sun is sitting and which nakshatra and which house. So it will bring those attributes. That's the way you have to analyze this. Okay. Let's see some aspects of which house they play in and why. Now there are some vital aspects that you keep, need to keep in mind when evaluating Rahu and Ketu because this is important for, especially for people who are sort of looking for self-development to understand where they are coming from. If you are not interested in changing yourself this entire channel is useless for you but if the other one who is interested in knowing what is happening in my life where do i need to go what are my talents and you question these kinds of things excuse the noise somebody is drilling about so then you need to understand these aspects now that's the typical chart indian chart and house numbers are depicted as one two three four up till twelve Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha is there. And I have stuck Rahu Ketu as possible axis on the 1-7. That is Aries and Libra. That is the top and the bottom. So either it can go to house number 1 or 7. Rahu Ketu can be reversed. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Or in 4 and 10. Now 1, 4, 7 and 10 in Vedic Astrology are given very vital importance because they are the foundational aspects that define who you are. That define how you operate in life, throughout life. So these become crucial. Why? The 1-7 axis effects, if Rahu and Ketu fall on there, has a direct effect on yourself and other concept. 1 and 7 is self and other. How you re relate to yourself and how you relate, look at the world around you as others. 
including the spouse because seventh house is the house of the spouse but also others so how you develop through life and how you develop a relationship with others so it defines who you are in a very broad sense one seven axis of rahu ketu the four ten on the other hand fourth house being the house of the mother tenth being father fourth being home tenth being career you see this has a you know all kinds of implications which define who you are the four ten axis has effects on the heart versus mind mind wants is the one who goes out there in the world and being used in the career right you dissipate your energy as the mind in the external world heart is your home your home center where you feel comfortable home is where the heart is that kind of a thing so heart and home is affected by this rahu ketu axis again rahu and ketu might be reversed rahu might be in the fourth ketu might be in the tenth or vice versa same way with one and seven but these are the vital relating aspects of rahu and ketu now what about the rest of the houses now rest of the houses are called trikona or kona in sanskrit right these are the things that come and go in your life let it be second house third house fifth house sixth eighth ninth eleventh the twelfth these are the things that come and go in our life through life through your entire life these are things that are added into subtracted from us but this is not us one four seven and ten is us everything else is secondary which revolves around you as life comes and goes all other axes depict what attachments and detachments we have towards different areas of our life that's all it is they are less significant in terms of rahu and ketu when compared to 1 7 4 and 10 axis of rahu and ketu please remember this when you evaluating you just have more propensity towards one part of life and less towards others rahu is attachment ketu is detachment rahu is expansion ketu is reduction and they stand opposite to each other all this right now let's take the cases one by one so as usual we'll begin with the fourth pada of kritika there it's marked over there fourth pada of kritika which is going taurus to pisces so good news is last three padas of kritika are still in taurus so it gives it a grounding straight away venus right and taurus scorpio axis means venus and mars we're talking about that axis the push and pull between venus kind of energies and mars kind of energies creativity versus action and initiation that's what we are talking about but mars in scorpio goes inward rather than outward mars in aries goes outward okay mars in scorpio is more inward directed hunting for the deepest possible passion deepest possible drive deepest possible emotion when anything goes internal it is directed towards the emotional body yeah so here we have taurus and pisces so we are talking about the same axis pisces virgo so it's the push and pull between material and emotional feeling but kritika nakshatra i in, in pisces when it translates from natal to navamsha it goes to pisces it becomes jupiter so it becomes seeking of knowledge so in later stages this particular axis will become more interested in seeking knowledge rather than having artistic capabilities this can do good as a cook also as a chef baker i would think and even this second pada over there in kritika taurus to capricorn grounded saturn is there even third pada of 
prone to Aquarius, but this can become more of a speaking kind of person. But let's we are jumping ahead of ourselves. Let's go to the next one. So what happens in this third pada, the kama, the desire? The desire of this particular Rahu is to manifest as Aquarius in the later stages. So we are talking about Leo Aquarius. These people could become good leadership skills. They come in with leadership skills because it is coming from Scorpio Leo. So they know the depth of emotion. They know leadership. Now they have to bring it to the masses. So this is the kind of person who may go into management, leadership roles in management, managers. leaders of all kind ceos they might be driven towards that they have a sharp tongue they can become very critical in nature tough bosses right that kind of a person we are talking about and rahu here will amplify that rahu does well both in taurus and aquarius being materialistic but they need to get the juice of leadership from deep emotions and an inborn innate sense of being a leader leo okay Let's see the second pada. Now, in the second pada of Taurus, if Rahu sits there, it's Taurus going to Capricorn, and Rahu is sitting there. Does well both in both the cases because it has got grounding, like I said, and here it goes from Scorpio to Cancer. So, what happens here? Again, it's a similar theme as the previous one. However, now we have shifted the theme to Vishakha. So Vishaka in Scorpio, which also has Agni. By the way, Vishaka has two deities, Indra and Agni, and Kritika also has Agni. So this is tremendous amount of fire, tremendous amount of passion, tremendous amount of sexual drive. Scorpio and Cancer. Oh my God! And that they are detached from, but they have it in them. They will have it in their life, and now they want to bring it towards Taurus and Capricorn. these people can also make good chefs bakers owners of restaurant that kind of a daily grind but they may be having sort of one of those unusual births thing going on in their life and more so in the i would think in the kama pada because that's aquarius aquarius is everything unusual yeah so that could happen here and vishakha and kritika are transformative elements fire is a transformative element so these people might have transformation themes in their life they could be even channelers they could be fire ceremony shamans i have spoken about fire ceremony shamans before if you want to look that up okay so in the first pada now we are beginning the aries libra axis so kritika in aries vishakha in aries, libra okay So now we see this arrow over here. Rahu is sitting there. Aries to Sagittarius and Libra to Gemini. So these are essentially both are air and fire signs. Libra, air sign. Gemini, air sign. And Aries, fire sign, fire sign. So Rahu is in a tremendous amount of fire energy. Tremendous amount of thinking of higher ideologies. This is a very idealistic person. needs to be careful again needs grounding here whereas ketu on the other side is highly mental in nature so these people can become good thinkers good planners but they need a certain amount of grounding there they need a certain amount of air element in there okay they bringing in the air element as you can see over here libra and gemini 
but that's what they need to use they need to use this ketu energy to bring that into practical reality as new ideas as new thought kritika is a transformation kind of nakshatra everything about it is fiery everything about it is critical sharp cutting through the rubbish cutting through the bs and getting to the truth of things okay that's what this nakshatra stands for so always evaluate in terms of nakshatra and always evaluate in terms of the dispositors also here this i have stuck this dispositor table in every single one of these rahu ketu studies for that particular reason because if the dispositor is good rahu behaves good otherwise it goes into downside we will see this in conclusion studies next we shall deal with the last one bharani nakshatra okay take care be safe